0: Most of our time, so that we may he grow in wisdom to teach us to make the most of our time, so that we may he grow in wisdom.
1: Greetings, welcome to Two Days, Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. Well, if you've been listening to the news lately, uh, the world continues to be topsy-turvy. Um, actually, a couple of issues I'm pretty concerned about right now. One is the uh, church persecution that seems to be going on up in Canada right now. And, but really for us here, uh, and for many Christians, uh, COVID and the vaccine in particular, Uh, continues to be a concern. So I actually thought, well, what better opportunity would I have tonight than to bring my lifelong friend back onto the show. Uh, Dale Allen was with us last year and told his story uh, about what happened uh, during the 19 days that he was on a ventilator during his actual COVID experience. So we'll talk a little bit go back to the beginning a year ago, uh, give people memories of what took place when COVID started. And uh, Dale can talk about a little bit about where he is now. And uh, one thing I want to bring in tonight too, is that we might talk a little bit uh, how, how two of the great theologians of the past being Martin Luther and Jonathan Edwards in particular, Uh, dealt with deadly diseases and viruses in their own times. I don't think people realize that uh, they can look back and uh, these two theologians dealt with diseases slash viruses that were, in the end, more serious than uh, COVID turned out to be. But we will talk about that. And without further delay, I want to reintroduce my friend Dale Allen. Are you there? Sure am. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing good. It's great to have you back on the podcast. So how have things been for you since the last time we chatted?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I'm what they call a COVID long hauler.
1: So, well, I think that you have continued to struggle some, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I have, uh, I've got some cognitive issues with some, I guess that's what they're calling brain fog. Um, hmm. I have, uh, I can't sit for long periods of time. I can't stand for long periods of time. Um, sometimes just going to the grocery store wears me out where I just got to lay down and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, just still suffering from severe fatigue at times. Uh, numbness in my extremities. It's It uh, doesn't seem to be getting any better.
1: So are you really at a standstill and... I understand from our past recent conversations that uh, it's keeping you away from work. Still, is that correct?
2: Yes, yes, it has. Um, yeah, and I've I've applied for disability, and you know that's a whole long process that can take up to a year or more. mm mm-hmm. So you know, and getting help from friends here when I can, and, you know.
1: Sure. Well. You know on the realm of the spiritual here i uh are you able to attend church and uh, be active part of a a member of a congregation
2: you know a lot of it depends on how i'm feeling when i get up sometimes when i get up in the morning my back is so my back and lower body is so stiff it takes a couple hours just to get where i can move around Mm. but uh well i'm feeling okay i go i go you know in person if not on. Um, I have two services that I watch on Sunday morning I have my own local assembly here and sure. I do interact with with them via they have a chat function mm-hmm. and then um, I also watch my my brother's sermon out in New Jersey
1: oh sure yeah I catch Tim sometimes myself <laughs> so actually on Facebook I replied to one of his requests today so i gave him some red letters (laughs) he asked for red letter verses from his from a red letter letter bible jesus words you know and so i thought hey i'll take one of my favorite passages and throw it in there (laughs) yeah you know it's it's
2: funny i don't always get everything that he puts out there
1: so i mean i don't know if i do or not because i i'm I need to limit my time on those things, but I did happen to catch that one pretty close to the top today when I got on. So you can look for it. Just look under his name and you'll catch it and share your favorite red letter passage uh, for him.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting series he's got going on.
1: So, well, having said that, I do want to uh, remind the audience that, uh, I believe it was back in November that we had uh, Dale on here for a two-part series that spoke about his COVID experience. He talked about some things in life in general. We've known each other since we were kids. Goodness, around 11, 12 years old. But um, yes, it's been a while. Absolutely. But uh, um, in particular, uh, he was 19 days on a ventilator, and he had a supernatural experience during that time, uh, which he shared in part two. Um, but, uh, that's why I bring him back on. Um, I think that I like to hear his perspective from somebody who really, uh, took uh, the worst of the worst of what COVID could bring and he survived and really by the grace of God, uh, due to a supernatural, yeah, by a supernatural experience. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to those two podcasts. I don't want to go ahead and talk about that again because I don't want to take away what I think the story is that my audience ought to hear and listen to. So go back. It's a uh, a Christian man's experience uh, with COVID-19. There, there are two of them in a row. You'd recognize it by looking at the titles um, on any podcast service pretty much. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, CastBox, uh, Breaker, Overcast, uh, you name it. Uh, it's pretty much there. So, but I wanted to bring it back in here today to talk a little bit um, about COVID. And I want to talk a little bit because you watched my YouTube video um, on why I took the COVID vaccine, and and I I think people need to get a little bit of the perspective of how other great men of God in past generations. Uh, handled something that was very serious and they did take it very seriously on both a human level and a spiritual level and I think Absolutely. Yeah, but I I I think if you notice one of the beauties of what Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther both did was is is that you see the intersection of theology and practical living in their faith. It's it's very clear. And especially yes in the areas of divine providence um, and in the areas of doing the practical things that we need to do in times of medical crises like these, the practical stuff, and they were doing that. So I think that we Christians need to get back to understanding that, and that was one of the beauties, I think, of that particular video, if anybody watches that can understand Uh, What Edwards and Luther both did are practical things um, that we have been asked to do all along.
2: Right.
1: uh, Without question. So, but we'll talk about that a little bit, so. But let's go back to a year. I I told you I wanted to talk a little bit about what you remember most about what happened early on uh, in March last year with COVID-19. March 2020.
2: You know, I still don't think we know what went on or what's going on. I mean, every day, depending upon what news outlet or newspaper or article you read, one day masks work, the next day they don't, one day Fauci says this, the next day he says something else. And I don't know, sometimes I get the feeling it's all done just to confuse everybody.
1: I think there's a level of truth to that. It's hard for me to say yay or nay on that. Um, having worked in a hospital for a uh. number of years, I, I do know <laughs> that doctors sometimes could take forever to make a decision. Um, you you put five of those guys together in a room and they could come out after 10 hours and still not make a decision. Um uh. but I'm not saying that to discredit doctors, we certainly need them and they're, you know, they're God's gift to mankind, but I'll tell you right now, um, I think a lot of the confusion and the clutter and stuff. Um, and you know, I've had, if doctors are honest and I know everybody knows in the hospital, the, the ones with the biggest egos there are doctors and they do like attention, they do, you know, but I can't say that, I, I don't wanna judge You know, Dr. Fauci, I don't want to judge the people up there. I I hope they're giving us the truth. I hope they're giving us the real information. But, you know, if you look at the history of past viruses, though, um, and I know we had Edwards in my video, um, you you listened to that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Look at a smallpox vaccine back in his day. It actually had the real virus in it and it had to be treated a certain way after you you took that vaccine, that initial dose, um, because it had the real thing in it, and you would get a small fever afterward, and then you had to be treated by liquids. Unfortunately for Jonathan Edwards in March, or actually February, late February of, uh, of 1758, it caused his... Um, Roof of his mouth and his throat to swell so bad he couldn't swallow, so he could not take the second treatments. So there were no IVs in that in those days, right? Or Jonathan Edwards may have very well survived. Uh, so it was a sad story, but a man who did the right thing, because overall that vaccine was safe. But there were some people just like the COVID vaccine who had extreme reactions to it, who who did wind up dying or wind, wound up getting very sick. And that happens with about any, even flu shots do that on occasion. Yeah, I do. Uh, so, so to me, it's, you, you have to look realistic. You, you can't complain about a vaccine, oh, it lasts a year. Well, why don't you complain about the flu shot? Don't we get those once a year?
2: Oh, I absolutely get them every year.
1: You know, I... Well, sometimes we complain because they don't always catch the right vaccine either. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: but well, you've got yeah, you've got one vaccine that's meant to cover several different types of influenza.
1: Right, but so, from my understanding is there are gosh what over five hundred to a thousand different types of influenza that have been out there. So how do you guess which one's going to be the right, right. one?
2: Yeah, I'm, they just do they make their best guess based on history. So, right.
1: Some years they get good. Some years they don't. Right. Um, absolutely. So, I um, I have been blessed when I get my flu shot. I do think it keeps the symptoms down. But um, where I am now, I haven't been I haven't been sick for a while, except for a low grade fever and the flu like symptoms that I received from my COVID vaccine. But those were part of what were the, the expected um, side effects were. So I didn't have anything unusual. I just yeah, got I, uh,
2: my 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 side effects were actually pretty bad. But reading about it, just the reason being, is the, the worst that you had COVID to begin with will affect how your side effects react.
1: Okay. Okay. So because you had it, you had a more extreme reaction to it. Right. I see. And then,
2: then they're saying actually the second one could be worse.
1: And that's coming up soon, isn't it?
2: Yeah, the best advice they give you, and everybody should hear this, is even before you take your first vaccine, just drink a lot of water. Right. Because the whole process with the low-grade fever that you're gonna get and everything, actually causes you to to lose a lot of fluids.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and a lot of of the reason you're feeling bad is because you're dehydrated.
1: Yeah, before my second shot, I armed up, I got soups, I bought tea, I haven't drunk any of the tea yet, I wound up not needing a lot of the stuff, but uh, the soups and things I bought, I do eat. Um, Yeah. I did get some things that I thought I might need in case I could get to the store, and... uh, so fortunately, um, it didn't hit me as hard. But like I said, I did get low grade. Um, One hundred point five uh, was the highest I got, but that was not for a long time. Other than that, it was pretty much in the ninety nine range. All right. So I do He's agree with that. you. Go, go yeah, ahead. You Still
2: get that overall puny feeling.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, and I would like. I fully agree with you. Uh, if You get your shots. Uh, make sure that you have the water, make sure you have what you need to keep, uh, to keep. Um, um, make sure you got
2: Tylenol.
1: Least. Right. And I bought some, but I didn't, again, I didn't need it. Um, but I have it on hand uh, just in case.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know about you, but my upper left arm hurt.
1: Uh, you know, mine hurt for one day and that was it. I didn't. For a day.
2: For
1: a day. Yeah, it, it wasn't that bad for me. I know some people complained it hurt them pretty good. Um, but I had Pfizer and I think you had Moderna, right?
2: Right. But you know, it it, it didn't hurt any more than a than a tetanus shot. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey look you know I know get what? my I get my second one uh, the thirteenth.
1: Got it. So that's yeah, not too far down the road.
2: Yeah, so. next Tuesday.
1: So I, uh, I guess I can say we can. We've come a long way since uh, people fist fighting over toilet paper in stores. Um, <laughs> uh, news conferences yeah. every day. Um, and
2: yeah, I don't know what they've done with all the toilet paper because every now and then Sam still runs out of it.
1: <laughs> are you serious?
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, I have heard in the last week that they're expecting another toilet paper shortage again. So maybe people are starting to stock up again. Who knows?
2: Yeah, and they're you know, of course, every week it's we're gonna have another surge, or you know.
1: And it is. That's that's, I that's what creates the panic. But I do want to. I think
2: it's scare tactics.
1: Sure. Well, I, I it's seeming uh, I, I don't know what people's motives are. That's very difficult to judge, but. I do want to say this, though. You know, those listening out there and um, love your neighbor. You know, Jesus, for those of us who are Christians, Jesus told us, love your neighbor as you love yourself and treat others as you wish to be treated. And here's my point. Don't gorge. Don't make toilet paper the the big object of your gorging and stuff like that it's, I, uh, people need things besides you.
2: Well, you know that's that's why why the the cost of meat came down so low over the summer because, at first everybody went out there and just filled their freezers up.
1: Yeah, that and makes sense. Every,
2: and then everybody had freezers full of food, so they weren't buying the meat. Meat's going bad, so they had to bring the prices way down.
1: Hmm. So, you know, and I mentioned what uh to you uh when we were talking about your brother <laughs> and the red letters. You know what I put in there, Dale? What's that? I put in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. That very passage where Jesus was talking about um not to worry. That mm-hmm. you know, not to worry, God's gonna take care of your needs. He closed the lilies of the field. You know, you can't add one. Uh, you can't add any moment to your lifespan. And um, he, he closed the flowers better than King Solomon. <laughs> you don't think right. he's going to take care of you? Um, what you know? We give a very faithless response to the world when we behave like that. Yeah, it's,
2: that's true. You know, you you said you said the word neighbor early just a few minutes ago. And it just, it just reminds me of, uh, I, I've, I've actually made a point to go around and meet my neighbors here recently. Sure. Uh, gosh, how many times, how many times have we lived somewhere for years and never met the neighbor across the street? Yeah. Never met you, sometimes never met the one, I never met your neighbor over the fence. Right. My gosh, if we can't, if we can't talk to our neighbors, we can't meet our neighbors and, uh, you know, and try to share the gospel with our neighbors. How are we going to share it with the rest of the world?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is kind of uh, of a disturbing thing. I love to know my neighbors. Um, you know, Solomon in Book of Proverbs wrote that it's good to get to know your neighbors because they dwell around you for security. And mm-hmm. certainly there's much truth to having uh, positive relations with your neighbors. And there's another... Passage in Soverbs, uh, Pro- Proverbs, Soverbs, <laughs> Proverbs, Proverbs, <laughs> that says, "Don't hang around your neighbor's house too much, or they will hate you." So you have to act with wisdom there too, you know. But sure, there is sure. great profit uh, in, in knowing your neighbors, and I've, I, I love living in multicultural neighborhoods. And I, the last ones that I have lived in, have been exactly that. Um, neighbors around me, I know have been pretty good my last two residences uh it's it's it makes life richer yeah it does Yeah, you know, and I, i'll tell this story too even though it's kind of off the beaten path here but uh in one of my neighborhoods uh the last one i lived in um and actually it's it's important this when you talk about love of neighbor um i you know this uh man was a new england patriots fan like i am and I know you're going to say that's unfortunate. You don't have to say it. I'll say it for you. <laughs> um, okay,
2: I was thinking, I was thinking it. I know daylight. you were.
1: But, um, you know, he died suddenly driving home one Saturday uh, from Lowe's Lumber. I didn't know until Thursday following, you know, that he had suddenly wow. died. Yeah, he was driving. On the way home, his car just veered off the road, and uh, um, it, sadly he passed away. I still miss him. He was a wonderful man. He really was. Uh, I was there while he was, he was there every day watching his house be built in the neighborhood. I lived in a neighborhood where all the houses were, and actually mine was a brand new house too. And right. and uh, that was his dream home. He he and his wife were going to retire there and everything, you know. And, you know, you, you know about the uncertainty of life and everything, but I was able to, as a minister, bring comfort to that family and stuff. You know, and that's because I knew my neighbor, you know. right. I knew their interests. we had known each other uh, even before they ever moved in the house, so there, were, there was much profit in investing in that relationship and it' it is one that I miss dearly to this day. yeah so
2: I can, I can think of, I could think of some just because I took the time to get to know my neighbors, I can think back over you know over my life and some of the some of the great neighbors I had.
1: sure you know it all goes down to it friends listening It does. love your neighbor as you love yourself
2: absolutely
1: learn learn the value of relationships with other people and you know we do have a gospel purpose of sharing the good news and shining the light of christ uh start with with your neighbors start with your neighbors absolutely and do it in grace you know we are defending the truth, we gotta speak the truth in love. We certainly got to share it with respect. Uh, but still at the same time, you know, we, we tell the truth. And uh well, so that was uh like I said, that was a little bit of a divergence there, but it, it was something Well it was, but it is something dealing with COVID at the same time because all the for all the hoarding and stuff like that just speaks to where we have become um, as a people because we used to, as Americans, look out for each other uh, better than what we're doing. And that was was a disappointment to see.
2: Yeah, you you gotta think about it too. Um, With with all this COVID and everything, I said, everybody's home. Most people are home. Uh, you know, if you're outside, talk sure. over the talk over the talk over the fence to your neighbor.
1: Yeah,
2: it's not gonna hurt.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, you, know, you might
2: you might find out there are believers you didn't even know it. You might even find out that they go to the church down the street. Yeah, uh, you might have something in common. You might end up making a lifelong friend.
1: Right. So, well, let's talk about a couple of characters of the past and what they did. Um, Martin Luther, we can just talk a little bit about him first, and Martin Luther actually dealt with one of the greatest plagues, if not the greatest of all time, the uh, bubonic plague, or the Black Plague, as they called it. Right. uh, Even though the plague, the worst of the plague, took place in the 1300s, um, it made a resurgence up there in Wittenberg, Germany, right where Martin Luther was um, in uh, 1527, and because of that part of the world where it hit, that, that original Black Plague uh, is estimated, estimated to kill, have killed anywhere between 30 to 50 million Europeans. Man. Yeah, Europeans in that time. So you, you see how deadly that was.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, well, if you got the Black Plague, you were dead within a week. That's, from what I read about it, it, it was a horrific death too. Um, very, very nasty. So you could understand why people there were heading to the hills. Um, that they, yeah. they, they wanted none of it. They knew the history of the Black Plague there. Uh, and, and Martin Luther received that letter from that minister saying, hey, what shall we do? <laughs> do we head to the hills? And that, that's where the slogan, head to the hills came from because people in Wittenberg were hightailing it out of there. and right. And Martin Luther in a really, really well-crafted short letter. And that letter's a little longer than this. We just have the key paragraphs uh, for what I posted. But, yeah. you know, the first thing he said was, pray, I shall ask God to protect us. Then he said, I shall fumigate, purify the air, and stuff like that. You know, keep things clean. Do do whatever you can right. to clear the germs out of there. Right. And I'll be asking a question. We, we haven't heard that before, have we? <laughs> well, of course we have. We know we know this. Keeping surfaces clean and uh, using oh, common disinfectants.
2: Common sense. Common sense.
1: Well, yeah, it's very clear that Martin Luther was using the things available to him in his time. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to become contaminated. And look, how, this is interesting how he looked at this. Um, mm-hmm. And thus, perchance, inflict and pollute others and cause their... Uh, death as a result of my negligence. See Martin Luther believed don't go anywhere you shouldn't go that you don't need to go to because basically as you could be the one responsible for giving somebody the disease and could bring in about their death. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do any, anything in a negligent fashion.
2: Right
1: now we know very clearly as we at COVID, how many times are we asked not to go to unnecessary places? Um, probably a thousand times over and plus. (laughs) But here Martin Luther is saying that he's more than willing not to go places. Um, Now here's the beautiful divine providence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me as I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. So divine providence is very important and plays a very key role in our lives and that's the point of what jesus telling us not to worry in matthew uh, chapter six Uh, he gave us the greatest formula for anxiety in the history of the world Um, so we have to trust be doing what god wants us to do but let us not be responsible for the injury or spreading the disease to others is what Martin Luther is saying there. I think we could agree Mm -hmm. with that. Right. Now, here's his real ministerial statement here, and I fully concur with him on this one, Dr. Martin Luther. (laughs) If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid a place or a person, but will go freely as stated above See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy, nor does it tempt God, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. So Martin Luther also said, I don't know how I missed it, but he said, then I shall fumigate, help purify the air and administer medicine and take it. I have to be honest, when I look at Martin Luther's handling, of the bubonic plague, again, a much more serious epidemic, even worse of it than epidemic. Um, His handling of it um, was very, um, how do I say this word? His handling of it was very serious, very, very similar to what things have been requested of us over time. But he also did it very ministerially he says, "I gotta, right. I gotta be the minister still, because if my neighbor needs me, I'm going to be there." Right. Um, and he said he would take medicine. So, well, I would conclude from this that Martin Luther would have taken any vaccine if it had been available.
2: Oh, absolutely. So. Like, no, there's, there's no, re- there's no reason not to.
1: Yeah, Martin Luther, I have no doubt would have, would have, would have done that. Um, I think Martin Luther had such a balanced perspective um, on that plague at this time. And I think because we don't know history very well uh, in our world, um, if we study Martin Luther and his handling of such and such a thing like this, I think it would change many the, the minds of many Christians and how they have responded to COVID nineteen,
2: yeah. Well, you've got—I mean, you've got it all over the place, just like you do everybody else. You've yeah, you know—you've got Christians that are like, "I'm trusting God. I'm not taking no vaccine."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then you've got—you've got them all on the, the other end of the spectrum too.
1: Yeah. So, well, we can look for a short period here at uh, the other theological character, Jonathan Edwards. Because in some ways, uh, you find Jonathan Edwards pretty much handled it the same way that Martin Luther did. And these two men lived 200 years apart from each other. Um, Right. But Jonathan Edwards didn't study Martin Luther to figure out how he handled the bubonic plague. (laughs) (laughs) I think Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther knew how to handle it from a godly perspective. You know that 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 wonderful place where theology and practical living can intersect um, with the common sense, with the wisdom that God has given us. Uh, right. Because to tell you the truth, I, I don't think overreaction is a good reaction.
2: Um, no, you you pray you ask God for help, and then you you go about being practical about it.
1: I and pan pa- yeah, and, and panic isn't a good reaction either.
2: Aren't? No, no, it's not.
1: Our goal is trust. That trust is the Lord, uh, in, in the Lord, in him alone. So, I, um, Jonathan Edwards had just taken up a p- position uh, as president of what was called the College of New Jersey, but is now Princeton. It, um, but Princeton in its history, as it started as the law college, then called the College of New Jersey, was solely started as a school to train missionaries and pastors now, right. how many people know that in their history it was the third university uh created um in the colonies back in its day Wow. i do believe it was the third it was one it was definitely top five um, you know harvard was the first i think yale may have been second but I know Princeton's right up there because Princeton or, or College of New Jersey came about because Yale was starting to take a, a slide away from the evangelical truth. So they believed they needed to start another school. Long story. It goes into the story of David Brainerd. Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating how this happened. Uh, but Jonathan Edwards really didn't want, it, want to take the position. Uh, he wanted to continue to write and work as a missionary to the Stockbridge Indians. But he got a council of three ministers together and let them make the decision for him. He wanted to seek uh, the guidance of others because he was unsure what to do. When they mis- made unanimously made their decision that he should go, he took that as that's where God wanted him to be. Um, yeah. So, so he quickly got on his carriage and he went alone. Um, his wife stayed up there with a few of the children. He had 10 children in all, um, but there were probably about seven that Sarah Edwards had to take care of in Stockbridge while he went down to Princeton. So he got there mid to late January and of 1758, started teaching for a while, but there was something there in that area that was causing a lot of chaos. It was a virus right. called smallpox. And there were students in the school, The smallpox vaccine had its controversy, just like the one that we're dealing with today. And many people didn't want to take it. Well, it's kind of scary when you know a, have, a vaccine has the actual virus in it. So I could understand right. that. <laughs> um, Jonathan Edwards actually had a, um, a scientific mindset. Uh, he was a genius all around. I mean, in ethics, and he actually uh, was fascinated with spiders growing up. And he wrote a brilliant paper on spiders that everybody marvelled about when he was basically a kid. <laughs> um, this is yeah. This is how much of a genius the man, uh, the man was. So, but that virus uh, was in the vaccine, but it had to be managed. So after you, after I said earlier. Uh, once you took the vaccine, you could expect a, a fever, but you had to take certain fluids and stuff, and and then, of course, the thing would heal up. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan Edwards did everything he was supposed to do. Um, his daughters, Lucy and Esther, was there, and Esther had a couple of children. Uh, I'm not sure that Lucy was married or not, but um, so that so the family that was there decided after... Close examination. Jonathan Edwards had one of the best physicians who was a friend of the college, uh, came from Philadelphia. His name was William Sh- William Shippen. And all the medical consultation possible he, he got before he made his final decision. The one thing that made them dis- him decide to go ahead and take the inoculation was um, that he had never had smallpox before. So that was the one thing that that got him to do it they they felt that he should take it because of that reason and jonathan went ahead and did it so everything was going fine then they received it on february 23rd 1758 and everything was going fine except a few days later um, sadly jonathan edwards as I described it earlier, his passages were blocked for swallowing, postulates on the roof of the mouth and the throat. What, what a place to get them. I mean, that, talk about the worst place possible. Oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, so Jonathan Edwards couldn't get treated. So a second fever that he got because of smallpox, they couldn't do anything about it. So for around three weeks, this man was struggling. I mean, the students at the school, when he had the opportunity, he would preach on Sundays and stuff, they loved him. Uh, he started out with a new course very well uh, when he took over the presidency, but here he is really uh, uh, going to die. Um, and three weeks into this, he knew he was going to die. So the the beauty of what he said uh, to his wife he told you know lucy was writing down his comments and the things he said to sarah um Mm -hmm. you know i hope you can cheerfully take my going away and and trust that it was god's will and he talked about their uncommon union and that it was such it was so spiritual it's certainly going to continue into eternity (laughs) this man was at a way with words didn't he
2: yeah i'm telling
1: you you know he he told his children um you know, even though your father is about to leave you, I hope that's an encouragement or inducement to you to go seek a heavenly father who will never leave or fail you. Oh my goodness, <laughs> just <laughs> unbelievable words, Dale. Well,
2: yeah, to even have the, the, the time to be, to, to be able to say that was uh, awesome.
1: I mean, just unbelievable words. I just, um, I, I, it leaves me speechless. When I look at even in death, what Jonathan Edwards said, and then he said he did not want a pompous funeral or anything expensive, just anything, whatever you bury me with, just give to charity. Um, you know, then after it was all done, he says, Now where is my friend Jesus of Nazareth? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So, but I'll tell you what really touched me in the end. Because when he went into unconsciousness after he asked where Jesus of Nazareth was, the you know this it's, this is an important lesson for people in hospital rooms better be careful what you say, because even though you think they're sleeping, many times patients are not, and they're hearing what you say and and Jonathan was hearing, huh? yeah, he, he was hearing what they were talking about. And while they were all panicking, kind of about what's gonna happen with the College of New Jersey, because he was going to be the third president that died in short order. Uh, They can't keep presidents, they're all living, are all dying within a year of their tenure. Um, But actually that happened to two more presidents following Jonathan Edwards too. It's amazing how that school survived. But Jonathan heard them, and all of a sudden there's a voice in the air just trust in God and you need not fear. I'm just so classic, Jonathan. You talk about last words for the ages. Yeah. You can't get much better than that. Not at all. So, But I know I talked to you about this because there's, in our lives, even as we intersect in this world of reality with a virus. A Christian response to it um, changes—I mean, drastic changes. I know in the way you live now, um, mm-hmm. but it has changed something for everybody uh, in the way we walk and the way we deal with each other. And uh, thankfully, we have the Lord's house opened back up. Um, but we have to—we have to move on in our faith, and we have to—that's where our trust needs to be. <laughs> Right. In these these days and these hours, I really do think everybody in the world needs to stop acting like they're a medical expert.
2: Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs>
1: there are a lot of them. Look, I say one or two things. If you wanna take a virus shot or a shot for the virus or not, it's really your personal business. Right. Um, Everybody has to evaluate how they and what they want to do uh, with this thing. I understand, um, but really, a lot of the, it concerns me. A lot of the fearmongering, because I know some things that people are posting. You know, some of these things are just impossible. Right. Some of the so I I, can, I have understood. I mean, there are vaccines you have to take with the, some type of periodic, periodicity. Five years, 10 years out, things like that. I don't know that there's one that ever lasts forever.
2: Um, some of the ones we got when we were
1: kids. Yeah, maybe German measles. Buttons. I remember that. Um, um, polio. I had, I had to take a, another... I think smallpox when I was in Iraq or something like that. I had to get whatever that one we get on our arm that leaves that mark. I can't remember. One which like one.
2: A, oh gosh, that was like a, I don't know, that was for polio. And
1: yeah, something, but I had to, I had to, measles. Yeah, I had to take that. I had to retake that when I was, um, you know, 42 years old. Yeah, so.
2: I don't, I don't think they, uh, do that shot like that anymore? I don't think they. I, I don't. I don't see any kids with that spot on their arm anymore.
1: Yeah, I. I can't even remember how I did. Oh, I remember. I got like fifty. I got about nineteen needle pokes in the same area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember now. I think there's
2: like 10 or 11 things in that shot.
1: But you had to be careful how you treated the scab and stuff like that. And, you know, if you rubbed that scab and like, say, put it, rubbed your mouth, you were in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had to really be careful with it. And you, you wanted to recover the scab once it fell off because it was an active agent.
2: You know, coming, coming from somebody who's been through what I've been through, um, I got the vaccination. I don't know whether I actually needed it or not. Because no one really knows how long, you know, your immune system, how long it's going, your natural immunity is going to be there. But uh, I got it. And I'll get the second one too. Sure. Because, you know, the last thing that I want is either to get it again or give it to someone else
1: you sound like Martin Luther (laughs) I don't I think
2: it's it's a responsible thing and then you've got all the conspiracy theories out there you know this is just the mark of the beast sorry folks it's not um you know and then they're they're talking about the uh, vaccination passport you'll have to have it to pretty much go just about anywhere. well it's not going to happen sure The the states are not going to allow it to happen um a lot of it's just testing to see how. I mean, you know, they say when you put a when you put a frog, if you drop a frog in boiling water, he'll start he'll try to jump out. But if you put a frog in cold water and you start to turn the heat up, right? He'll stay in there and boil to death. Sure. We're I think we as Americans are kind of like the frogs. We started off in the cold water, mm-hmm. and we're very, very, very slowly being. Conditioned. I mean, there's just a lot of things right now that, you know, people wouldn't have stood for 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, there is. I, uh, you know, I know some of that stuff goes into other areas, um, even outside of COVID, but um, some of mm-hmm. those things we would talk about uh, in the evangelical world. But I do know that in our own evangelical world, we have troubles within our own house that certainly align with prophetic uh, predictions um, in the areas of falling away and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's much to cover uh, because it seems like so many things are happening at this time. But I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, you're willing to do things and you are one to be respected and to me listened to because there aren't many people who survived, who endured, what you endured. You know, um, I was sitting here thousands of miles away from you saying I, I just lost one of my best life friends, you know. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I heard that you you got through this, you know, it's a bad, you know, I couldn't wait to, you know, once you got well enough to get you on the podcast. Um,
2: yeah, it was, um, I'm telling you what, I mean, I, Tell you I tell you the biggest shock is may 29th I somehow drive myself to the hospital yeah to, to still don't still don't remember even getting in the car and leaving my house and you wake up 19 days later and you ask what the day is they tell you and you're like yeah.
1: what what happened I've
2: I, I been here almost three weeks
1: that's amazing yeah
2: yeah um it's like Man, yeah, then you're there another almost another five weeks just to get healthy enough to leave the hospital. Sure. So yeah, it uh, it was it was amazing, you know. And then I'm not gonna i not gonna talk about because I want people to go back and listen to that podcast. But um, you know, I asked you know I asked the doctors about a week out. I said, so I died, right? And the doctor goes, How did you know that? Yeah. Well. Yeah. <sighs> So, um, yeah, so I'll, you know, I'll still continue to do the things. i I wash my hands a little more than I used to. Um, I tend to, um, I tend to keep my distance from people as more than I did pre COVID just as far as like, if you're in the store, um, I try to avoid crowded areas. Um, Probably just things we should do anyway.
1: Sure. There are a lot of common uh, sense things that we need to be doing. And
2: and if if we've learned anything from this, I don't believe that the reason the flu numbers are down is because they're all counting them as COVID. There's people that are saying that. I believe flu numbers are down because the, the flu in itself is not as viral as COVID is,
1: mm-hmm. could and be the, num- the,
2: the the numbers are down because most people are masking up and they're washing their
1: hands. Now there's probably a lot of truth to that. That's that's a very practical issue with the flu, no doubt. And if
2: everybody everybody would do that during during just flu season, we'd nip it all. We'd nip it in the bud every year. Yeah,
1: very possible. Well, what final word of advice would you have for people, Dale? Maybe both on the spiritual, I'm thinking of the practical living theological intersect I've been talking about. you have any thoughts there? Um,
2: you know, gosh, I mean, Jonathan Edwards and Martin Luther say it all, you know, trust God, but use the brain God gives you too. Use your common sense. Of course we're going to ask him for help. Or of course we're going to ask him. For his guidance, of course, we're going to ask for him to watch over us and keep us healthy. But, you know, part of that is he expects us to take care of ourselves, too.
1: Sure. And I think Martin Luther had a great balance of that uh, because he right. he was directly asked that question. Um, and he made those guidelines very clear. I know Jonathan Edwards lived that because he sought all the advice and everything, too. But... You know Martin Luther was blessed with nineteen more years of ministry after that, but Jonathan Edwards you know was taken from this world on march twenty second uh seventeen fifty eight um, yeah, you know, and maybe in the world he had an unfinished work he wanted to do called the History of Redemption, but we'll have to wait to get to heaven to see that one, <laughs> yeah, so that's true. But, you know, in the end... Um,
2: There'll be so much to see when we get there, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, there will, for sure. But, you know, in the end, I, I do want to say thank you, uh, Dale, for being on the show. And I ask the audience to pray for Dale Allen and his health. Uh, as you heard earlier, he does continue to, to struggle in numerous ways uh, as a result of COVID-19. And and you've also heard the way uh, that he is taken care of his health and everything. And... I do think there's wisdom in listening to what Dale has to say in regard to how do we handle uh, COVID today. So uh, use your judgment, uh, live, live wisely people. And I can only conclude by saying, you know, the words of Jonathan Edwards, trust in God and you need not fear. Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Days Denarius, COVID one year later. I'm Ron Thomas. I do want to express gratitude to Pastor Steve Hereford of the Eastport Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida for allowing us to use the theme song from his most recent scripture song album, Most of Our Time, which is the title track uh, that you hear. Um, Pastor Steve is in Jacksonville, Florida at the Eastport Baptist Church, and we are very grateful uh, for his permission to use this as our theme song. You can find his Albums. He has four of them uh, on Spotify under his name, Steve Herford, spelled H E R E F O R D. And I'm sure all my friends will find them very encouraging and be blessed by them. Until next time, thank you for listening and may all of you be safe, healthy, and be blessed in the Lord. To make
0: the most of our time So that we may grow In wisdom Give us gladness in proportion To our